0: Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast, your go-to resource for tackling challenges and empowering small business owners to scale successfully. Our mission is to help unlock your business's full potential. My name's Corey Harlock, and I'll be your host. As a business owner, do you have something you're really good at? Uh, You want to spend more time doing that, but you're stuck in the muck doing all the other things you didn't sign up for, uh, for being a business owner, like having to hire people, maybe having to sell your product, maybe having to manage the production of it. Well, today we're going to talk about how to figure out what you're good at and how to optimize that. Uh, Sometimes as a small business owner, you might not be the best at running your company. Maybe it might be time to hire someone to run your company and you take a a job within that company, if that's what it's going to take you uh, to get to the next level. Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast. My name is Corey Harlock. I'm the creator of Key Hire, and I will be your host today. We are season two, episode eight. We're coming to you from the shores of Lake Champlain in upstate New York, out of my normal office. We're up at a a place we have here on the lake, and we're in the most northeast corner of New York you can be in. Uh, Most of you might know this by now, but I'm a Canadian. So we're like 20 minutes from the Canadian border, uh, so we can get up there and see the in-laws and it makes it easy for them to get down and see us. But today we're gonna talk about, uh, we have Sean Flaherty with us today. He's gonna talk to us about how to maximize our strengths. Uh, Sean's a father of four and he used to jump out of airplanes when he was was with the US Navy. Thanks for your service, Sean. Um, he has an award-winning class called Leading a Culture Innovation, and he teaches that to MBAs. Uh, he's also the managing partner of a 300-person company that builds software products, which is very cool. And he's a recognized Vistage speaker, so uh, we we can expect clarity and concise, no filler words like I use. But uh, anyway, Matt, let's bring Sean on and get into this. Hey, Corey. Hey, Sean, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, sir.
0: Did I nail the intro?
1: It was great. Thank you for that. Very,
0: very <laughs> cool. So um, today, you know, you, obviously you've been through this exercise, but uh, give us a how we're going to talk about how to maximize your strengths and kind of get rid of the get rid of the the junk and focus on what you do. Right? Is that kind of where we're going with all this?
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there's a predominant theory in the social sciences and academia called the self-determination theory. And the self-determination theory talks about what is it that gets us up in the morning with a spring in our step? It applies to all humans in all aspects of life, right? So um, and, and from a leadership perspective, you're leading a company. I think it's a responsibility to understand the, the core concepts of intrinsic motivation. Like, what is it that really, right. what does science say about it? And science has some pretty crystal clear things. There's, There's three sort of components to the theory. One is autonomy, like that sense of control in our lives, like knowing um, that we have a steering wheel and like we're in control of it. If if we feel like someone else is in control of that, that diminishes our intrinsic motivation. If we feel like we're doing things that we have to do for other, because other people want us to, or because of some external systems, it's going to diminish our intrinsic motivation. Another one is relatedness, like understanding that the work we're doing, the things that we're doing um, actually have meaning to others. It's called relatedness, like I feel cared for and I have someone to care for and the work that I'm doing actually matters for others. And then third, kind of the core subject of this podcast is around competence. It's around what are you good at and how do you contribute to the world? Like How can your unique skills make the world a better place? Um, Again, in the context of others, but it's that competence component that the scientists talk about as being really important. So, you know, I think to answer your question, if you don't have a good handle on that, like what is it that you are good at and how are you adding value to the world? You're gonna already be starting from a point um, that's gonna be hard to, it's gonna be hard to be motivated, you know?
0: That's, That's interesting. So we're, you know, our audience is predominantly small business owners, let's say five to 25 million, five to, I don't know, $50 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they find themselves, I mean, I don't know what your experience has been, but they find themselves kind of, well, it's part of the progression. When you start a company, you hire your neighbor, you hire your, your relatives, you hire your relatives, friends, and everyone kind of takes on a role and does the best they can, but everyone's kind of helping everyone everywhere, right? That's the, that's how you start a company for the most part, unless you're like a, what you're dealing in a tech company and you're, you're going for rounds and rounds of financing. Um, and then as you grow and you kind of get to that curious growth stage, as we call it a key hire, you kind of go from being that, um, paralyzed owner who's trying to do everything. Then you move into the unsure, then you move into a curious, and then you move into a growth mindset. Things need to change and and the, um, business and the uh, org chart accountability chart changes and so I, I, I'm wondering if in your world that would translate to you're always trying to chisel out and hire people to do things you don't best or or aren't the most productive or enjoyable for you, so you can focus on what that is, that thing. Does that make sense? Is that am I am I missing something, or is that kind of part no, of? Not spot
1: on. I mean, in my my business, ITX is here's my coffee cup. Um, but my business, you know, we started it, I have partners. Um, there's, there's four of us and it's been a s- slog and we started you know, in the beginning of the internets, um, trying to grow. We never took outside funding other right. than some for debt. Most, well, most small business yeah. owners
0: don't.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've been through exactly what you're talking about. actually multiple times cause I have other businesses that I've, um, built, over the years. But when you're small, you wear lots of hats. So I have a software development agency today. And in the beginning, I was the programmer, the designer, the code, you know, the support person, technician, I would install it, I would support it, I'd put it on the server. I did it all. And over time, you have to, if you're going to grow a business, you have to, let's say, delegate, you have to grow other people to be able to take on those competencies. And, you know, one place where this has been acute is in the business of the internet, you know, 25 years ago, it was a brand new thing and none of these skills existed. So we had to actually grow them and learn them along the way and then grow other people into them and figure out how to lead other people, you know, and it's a creative bunch too. Let me, let me tell you. So this, this yeah. is a crew. If you think about it, these are artists, engineers, software architects. These are really smart, highly paid, highly educated um, people and their competence matters profusely to like, it's very important sure. to them. Yeah. Um, like they you don't. Know, they would take us most of the folks that work for me, I'm speculating here, but I believe that most of the folks that work in my company um, would take another job for less money. If it, if it meant they would learn more and grow more and be able to contribute more, yeah. like that's pretty much a standard in my industry. Um, mm-hmm. so I get where you're coming from. And I do believe like I said, as a leader it behooves you to understand this competence piece of intrinsic motivation and knowing, um, knowing what you are good at and what motivates you. And then also knowing what the people that work for you right. are that want to be good at, want to grow into. And like getting, getting a handle on that is a really important, I think, leadership task.
0: Are there any kind of, um, Indicators or signs or reflections a business owner can do to kind of narrow down because there are things we have to do every day, mm-hmm. and there's also the things we love to do every day. And sometimes, I mean, if you can take yourself back to when you were startup and getting busy, and it, it's always that it, business doesn't grow like this, right? You got sales, mm-hmm. then you got to scale up, and then oh, we have too much we have too many people, too many programmers, we've got to go get more business. And it's always this ebb and flow, you know, when you were in those, that situation, how did you, or is there a process you can go through to kind of identify this is, this is where I need to be, to be the most effective in this company?
1: Yeah. So I think that this is one of the key skills of great leadership is, is like being able to kind of matrix out and identify what are the what are the core skills that we need to have um, in order to grow this business? And um, what are, what are the, which of those skills can be delegated and how soon am I going to need to delegate them? And like creating a matrix, so to speak, of here, here are the different parts of the business that we need to grow into in order for us to scale. So matrix
0: Uh, can be a very scary word for the small business owner who's in this kind of, as we call paralyzed state, right? They're thinking matrix jumping. I don't even know how I'm going to keep the door, you know, get get product shipped tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's a it's something that you have to do. Like this is this is what we would call strategic like planning, right? Even though I think yep. those two terms are ox- oxymorons. Like <laughs> yeah. you got to have a strategy and part of your strategy, I believe, one of the most important parts of your strategy is knowing, you know, if you know where you want to go. Like here's the people that we serve as a company in the world and here's the problems that we solve. If you have that clearly laid out, then you can pretty clearly articulate here's the skills of the future that we're going to need to grow into. Right. And here's the things I'm doing today that I can't possibly do if we're going to scale. Like I can't be doing this tomorrow. If we're going to be, you know, if we're going to go from 30 million to 50 million, like these are things I'm going to have to outsource. And if you don't take the time, that's part of, I believe that's a key part of strategy is taking the time to articulate. Here's our capabilities that make us unique and powerful in the world that allow us to solve these problems for these people and ultimately turn them into advocates. Right. Um, if we can, if we have that articulated, now we can look objectively at that matrix of competencies and and come up with a um, come up with a way of looking at our organizational competence that shows us where our gaps are and where our gaps are going to be. And I like to do that as objectively as possible. Right. Does it make sense? And when it, I say
0: it, it does make sense. And that um, it, it's it's. It- it's part of the progression. And I think it, it, a lot of our, a lot of the business owners I I get to work with often are, you know, we take them back. Like the beginning is that paralyzed state when it's just so busy, they, they're trying to do everything. And they're, um, oftentimes their team are great people doing the best job they can, but the business and the volume of business and the complexity of the business have outgrown their experience or capabilities. And that is the biggest constraint on a business, right? And I think we're talking the same language where that's where a business owner has to say, um, have a problem here. We're just not executing. And oftentimes when they're new and it's, it's these loyal, loyal people that have been with them a long time and that have given blood, sweat and tears, it's hard to say that's my problem, right? Because they, they kind of get blinded or or they truthfully are just so busy they they just know there's it's not working the way it needs to. Uh, when time is your only input, that's probably not a great process when all you can do is put more time on it and have more people work more hours to get the job done. That gets really tough. Um,
1: yeah, let's be honest about that. There, Every business, my own included, at some point, they're going to reach this uh, what's called the valley of death, right? Where you have to make okay. some investments. You right. have to make some investments which are going to eat into your profitability and maybe even make you go negative for a little while. And you're going to have to be able right. to sustain that to get out the other side. Um, so
0: define investments because that's an interesting term. And my initial thought is like, it's, um, I think people, you got to start bringing in some some really high experience, high impact talent, Right. Uh, but give me some every other. Business, depth When you say in, what's
1: that? Uh, every business is different, but it's almost always about talent. Like okay, in my in so my in the right business. Yeah, sometimes it's <laughs> you know if you're if you're manufacturing something, sometimes it's a big, it's a it's always a competence issue though, right? So like, right. hey, we figured out this niche, and we can make a bunch of money. We see that there there's this problem that we're solving in the in the market. We can turn these customers into advocates. So. Maybe we need to buy a million dollar piece of equipment so we can produce right. more and get over that hump. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's if you have a commerce business of some sort, maybe you need to make an investment in going into some e-commerce channels so you can raise the volume so you can lower your cost basis. To But th- there's always some investment. And I would argue to your point, it's almost always talent. It's almost always At like point, well,
0: need- it turns around. Right. If you're going to buy that big piece of equipment, well, you need to have someone who can do the planning and the operation and the training and the scheduling and all sure. that good stuff.
1: Yeah. It's, it's I, almost always talent unless you're going to work yourself to death. You have to hire right. folks the, ideally that are better at the thing than you you are. Well, that's like what that's, you, like, you think you want. That's what you want. Like that's what you yeah. always want. Whether you think you do or not, that is what you want to, to have occur.
0: And I, uh, I don't know if you've ever been a part of it, but it's really cool. Uh, it happens with with key hire when we get in there. Cause a lot of what we do is this uh talent planning for them. Like, here's where you are, here's where you wanna be. So here are the the steps we need to take in terms of your personnel, right? Your and your org chart's gonna change and shift. It's not like we make one higher and life is better. That's never the case, but it's gonna change and it's gonna, it's we're gonna baby step our way through this. But once you um redefine what a great person looks like in their company it's amazing to watch business owners when they go oh i didn't know these people existed out there because they just haven't broken through to that market or committed to the investment of paying someone what it takes to to bring them in because often it's it's a big ticket item
1: yeah the it, labor's always our most that's our biggest line item in most uh, most businesses these days certainly in the software development agency
0: for it's, sure i know it's crazy those guys are and they, and they don't even want to come to the office they want to work from the back of their van at the beach while they're
1: while you're paying fine. all that money, which as long is as they work fine on. as long as they're productive right they're killing yeah. it
0: so. so let's kind of talk then about um, the mistakes you see you know business owners making when you know they're trying to focus on their 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 talent what where they can bring the biggest impact to their business I I think we've danced around it a lot but what mistakes do you see business owners make when they kind of say hey I'm going to focus I'm going to lead the sales team because that's what I'm good at I know all the clients I built up this business and I need everyone else to do their job so I can focus on sales um that might not be the right example but what mistakes do you see them making when they try to kind of pull themselves out of all the muck and focus on those one or two things that they think they, that they want to do, or it's their passion or they think is the biggest impact for their business?
1: Yeah. And, and again, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. I think it was Steve Jobs that says you hire smart people so they can tell you yeah. what to do, not so you can tell them what to do. Right. Right. Um I think it, goes, it all goes back to self-determination theory for me. Like you hire a person for what you can see. Like you can only see what they put on their resume, the stories that they can tell about their history and, you know, whatever you get from calling references or whatever. They've got a collective history of what they've accomplished. But you don't hire like Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Effective Leaders. Got a great quote in the beginning of of his book. It says, You can hire a person's hands, but you can't hire their heart. You can hire a person's back, but you can't hire their mind. And I think the bigger a company gets, the more important it is to be hiring on values first. So you hire on values first, competence second. And you need to have that competence. Like you can't hire people that don't know how to do the job. But if you don't pay attention to that, um to the values which i think a lot of small business people are so desperate to get the talent to get the work off their plate that they forget or, or they don't maybe no, don't know maybe it's ignorance maybe it's just um to be more expeditious and I whatever you want to call it but if you take your eye off that values ball that's going to cost you way more in the long run than um making a, a, a you know making a bad values hire is going to cost you more than making a bad competence hire because competence hire, you're going to see it pretty quickly if they're not competent, and you're going to make a decision whether they're trainable or not. And you get them off, the but the values piece, if they're competent, it can be a really long term cancer that you brought into the company. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, Simon Sinek calls those people high performing assholes.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Right.
0: If you ever want to know who the asshole is in your business, just ask your employees. They'll all point to the same person, right? (laughs) Those are the people that just don't fit in with the culture. Now our philosophy is if we're going to put someone on your bus, they got to be at the front. So all your other employees go, wow, they're a really good employee. I got to raise my game. I got to be better, do better. Um, so yeah, that's that culture piece is because once you get, distractions in there or toxic it gets toxic or cancerous whatever you know insert word here you oftentimes your high performers don't want to play that game and then they leave and then that gets really expensive because as your best people start leaving this new person who's supposed to really come in and and ground the company and and raise you up you're losing your good people and now this person who is really the problem becomes even more important in your business because they're kind of the last one left And if they leave, there's no one that kind of do the job or the people that are left aren't, don't have that level of competence. What about, what about, you know, when you hear people say, well, all a business owner say, well, I'll just do that. Like, I don't like it, but no one else wants to do it. So I'll just do that. And then they dive into a part of the business that doesn't energize them or doesn't make them jump out of bed and ready to go to work because they're slogging through stuff that they've determined no one else can do it. So I'll just do it even though it's not what I want to do.
1: Yeah. And I don't think there's any way of getting around some of that. Right. If that's becomes the focus of your time, then you can't be doing the things that are important to really growing a business. So, you know, I I don't know a lot of successful business owners that didn't, you know, put the dishes in the dishwasher and clean the floors every now and then, and like do the work that has to get done. You know, it's uh at least the good ones like they're they're willing to get down and do the work at all the levels when they need to right. um and and having that sort of a leadership um um ethic i think is a good thing to demonstrate and it's a good it's a good thing to have but at the same time your job as you get bigger is to coach and to teach and to lead and to connect like that becomes your job right. and if you find that you're not doing those things if you're not spending more of your time connecting people to the vision, connecting and figuring out uh, what building blocks are going to better connect people and what building blocks are better are going to grow you for the future so that you're more adaptable in the future. Um, and if you're doing less of those things over time, you're making a mistake. That's my theory.
0: Yeah. And I think you touched on something that's key. And in, because in, you said as you're growing. So in the beginning, I think it is important that you, load the dishwasher, clean the floors, lock the door on the way out. But as you grow, and this is kind of that growth mindset of of a business owner, understanding that you can't do that and grow the company and get to, you know, however big you want, $100 million a year and still be doing that. That's where, I mean, I think that's how you have to start a business, right? But as you kind of grow through those growth stages and start hitting those objectives, You have to let go, trust other people to do that type of stuff so you can focus on the bigger picture. Absolutely. Hey, it's Corey. And if you like what you're hearing, give this episode a thumbs up and subscribe or follow to get reminders of new episodes of the Key Hire Small Business Podcast.
1: But at the same time, you know, uh, David Packard wrote a book, a guy from Hewlett Packard wrote a book, The HP Way. Um, which I read years ago and there's one line in that book that just resonated rung with me um, he called it management by, management by walking around yeah and I, I watched people like some of my heroes like Ed Bastian's, the CEO of Delta who really took Delta think about it through a couple of really tumultuous periods in the history of the airline industry um, I think there's a, still a tremendous amount of value as a leader to getting in there, participating in some of the lower level meetings every now and then, just to keep your ear to the ground and to stay yeah. connected to customers and maybe going on a sales call over here and here and here and again, just to you know, stay plugged into the different parts of the business as you grow. I think that's valuable. Sure. And I think when you model that sort of behavior as the leader, your leaders below you will model the same behavior because you know, human, human beings are mimicry machines. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I don't think you want to lose all of that. But but the, the point I'm trying to make here is to be purposeful about it. Right. You know, and if if you're doing the work because someone else can't, that's not being purposeful about it. That's you doing the work by default. So you're right. Yeah.
0: Now there's um I forget the name of the guy, but he wrote the book I hope they serve beer in hell. <laughs> um he apparently not a great guy, but he started he started um a company where they would um use interviews and professional writers to write your book. So you would kind of go there. It was called Book in a Box was the name of the company. So they would they would interview you and get hours of tape of you, and then they would write a book in your voice with your information and, and publish it and get it out there for you like a lot of um, CEO and busy people would do it, right, because they would just have to get on the phone for a couple hours and spill their guts, and then they would kind of do this. But he found – it was a great interview where, he, I forget what podcast he was on, but he said, it came to the point where I knew I was the wrong person to grow for the company. So actually hired a CEO and I took a job, like not even in senior, in like the C-level management. He took a job kind of as a director or heading up a department of that company and let someone else run it. And boom, you know, they broke through. So he kind of recognized his limitations, but also I, I don't want to run the company. I really enjoy this little aspect of it. Let me go play over here and hire someone and trust them to do that. Have you ever kind of run into that or seen a situation like that where you're talking to someone and you're thinking you might be better served to go out and get someone to run the company for you and just kind of be a part of that?
1: I think if you started it and it's your baby, that's a very mature decision to make and probably a yeah. very hard, hard decision to make. Um, but in some cases, it's a good one. I, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that really never had a desire to be a CEO or run a company myself. Right. So like, I, I just don't want all, there's a lot that goes along with being in that position um, that I think I figured out pretty early on. I don't want all right. of that. You know what I mean? Like I have my place. And uh, I, think, I think that's a very hard thing to do i've seen um i I haven't seen it in a lot of cases where a leader's done that i've seen them move on to go start something else i've seen that happen a lot but i haven't seen a lot of examples where the ceo became a director of something and stayed in the company i'm sure it happens um probably more frequently than i think or that i know but i haven't seen it a lot it's got to be a very hard decision to let go um,
0: yeah, it could also be a very liberating decision, too, if you put the right very, person in place I can imagine for myself, yeah.
1: it would be a very liberating experience. Yeah.
0: But it's also, I mean, you got to check your ego there because you watch this person mm-hmm. make your company a success, get up to the points where you might not ever have gotten it.
1: True. Yeah. And, you know, you just, there's a lot of great stories out in the Silicon Valley ethos around success, very su- highly successful organizations that have done that. Yeah, the CEO stepped down for a period of time and came back, or you know, handed it off and came back.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, but I guess that that fits into that. Like this, running this thing isn't doesn't make me jump out of bed in the morning. But it's a
1: very different thing. We're, running a business yeah. and starting a business—they're very different. Take totally different skills, as you know.
0: Yeah, it is, and I guess if you don't grow into it or have that mindset, I mean, some people just aren't great leaders. They have they have great ideas and they're great at. Um, they're great at innovation or they're great at creating or they're great at uh, or engineering, engineering. What, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've always been a proponent of just because you start a business, obviously I work on the talent side. So I say, no, people didn't start a business because they love to hire people. And and just because you've hired a bunch of people over your, the le- the, the time of your business doesn't mean you're great at it, right? Like I've hit, tens of thousands of golf balls, but I probably haven't hit one right. You know, it doesn't mean I can go out and teach people how to hi- hit golf balls. Right. But I've hit a lot. Um, and just because we go out and do things because we're the the owner of the company and we have to try all these things doesn't mean we're good at them. And recognizing when you you have to say, look at this, maybe I am I could be better here or I don't like doing it or this isn't my bag. I need to go find someone to do it is is it's scary because you have to get it right. You have to get that right person in there, but also it can be pretty empowering and it's the best thing for your company.
1: Yeah, I, I can speak from experience on that one. You know, in the beginning of ITX and my software uh, development agency, I was I had my hand in most of the hires, you know, and I made some pretty bad hires. Like I'm, one, of the <laughs> things I'm not, one of the things I'm not good at is hiring people. And, right. you know, I figured out early on, the reason is because I love everybody. I'm like one of those people, you know. I just I connect with people, I love everybody, and I look at the resume, I'm like, oh, it looks good. So they must be a good hire. Yeah. And it's it's a terrible way to hire. Terrible. And it took me a long time to figure that out. So now I have veto power, but I don't you know have much to do with the hiring anymore. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure that veto power comes when you get like a spidey sense about someone and you're more yeah, that's turned much off it. than on, right? If you're turned on, you're like, yeah, run them through your process. Let me know. But if there's something comes up, you're like, whoa, 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 let's dig in over here. There's a couple couple things we need to look at.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Sean, the the kind of final step of the conversation is, what advice or what do you think are the top one, two, three crucial kind of steps or processes or books or things other than calling you to say, hey, Sean, help me sort this out. What can a business owner do to kind of start identifying where they want to be creating that strategic plan uh, acting on it. But I, I think more so just kind of understanding what it is they want to be doing in their business. That's best for them and therefore best for the business.
1: Yeah. So I would start um, by reading a book by a guy named Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. It's titled flow. And yeah. what, what what Mihaly studied his whole life. He passed away, I think two years ago. what he studied his whole life was human peak performance and he studied uh, musicians and athletes and business people and all dimensions of, of life. And he found, you know, that people are, and and he basically studied that competence component of self-determination theory. And what he found was that people in their prime, when they perform their best, when there's a significant amount of challenge against a significant amount of skills that they have, that they uniquely bring to the table. And you, you, Are in a state of flow when you're challenged enough that you're learning and growing and you actually get excited to stay on that growth path. Um, And I think if you read that book and you understand the science of flow and human performance, I bet most leaders would find in their work the points at which they find their own flow. like They find the the pieces of the business that they really love to do. Um, And for the pieces that are kind of outside of that, maybe those are the things that you should be thinking about outsourcing. Um, What
0: would be a realistic uh, percentage that you get to work in those, those areas that you can get into a flow and cause you that level of excitement? Are we looking for a hundred percent here? Are you looking 80, 20, 60, 40? What's the mix?
1: Great question. And even, even Mihaly Chiksemme studies this as well. And, um, You know, there is a balance, and it's going to be a different place for everybody and for you to know yourself. Like, you have to have cycles of rest and flow, like deep rest, which is why, you know, you can't play basketball if you're, if you're, even if you're uh, Shaquille O'Neal or, you know, LeBron James. You can't play eight hours, you can't play 25 hours a day and not, you know, this doesn't work. You got to find those cycles. It's going to be different for everybody. So, um, You know, I think a good rule of thumb is I would say if you could find a way in which you're in flow two hours a day, two, three hours a day in your workday, that's a good place to be. That'd be my rule of thumb.
0: And even when you say that, I'm like, man, that for people to find those two or three hours just to really get into what they do uninterrupted. Right. Because how many times you get the uh, do you know where where do I find this? document or where's the contract for or where is this right so getting it set up to do it um is very cool
1: yeah but if you don't set up up the time for it if you don't have that purpose you're never going to get it you're never going to have that space in your life you're just going to keep solving the fire that's in front of you you know
0: and we but so i've talked about this on previous podcasts sometimes we get addicted to that because um that's where you feel your value is Mm, and uh dangerous. I, I have a my personal theory is addicted to chaos. And uh I always reference had a client who um they had a, a CNC business and and they machine stuff. And their 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 claim to fame was you call us at six o'clock Friday, whatever you need, and we'll have it there by you know before the weekend's done. And so I said to them well why don't you look at all these calls you've received i bet you 80 percent of them are involved with 10 materials put them in the back you got this big old warehouse put them back there and just use them on consignment right inventory them every week and pay for what you use and what came back was but if we do that we can't charge as much because we have it and it's not as hard i said but your client doesn't know that If they need it, they're willing to pay whatever. And if you're the person who can get it for them, but they weren't in love with the product they were selling. They were in love with how hard they had to work to produce the product they were selling. And they saw the value of their product was in how hard it was to deliver because no one else could do it, but they could. And they could have made it a lot easier, but they refused to do that.
1: Fascinating.
0: Isn't that wild? That's wild. So sometimes we get in, we get in uh, in love with the quick hits. I can fix a fire, I can solve a problem right now, and that gives me that little boost of adrenaline, you know. And I'm like, okay, one problem solved. Scheduling two hours to be uninterrupted and not do that, but that's growth, right? That's that growth mindset from kind of a startup, small business through to a growing and mature business. You got to understand the value of that. For sure. Well, hey. Uh, this has been great. I've really enjoyed you taking the time out this Thanksgiving weekend uh, or Thanksgiving week coming up with us. I appreciate that. Uh, Sean, I know, you know, people could reach out to you. We talked to you. I mean, uh, thank you for your service. You're uh, a former uh, Navy. Um, you're a Vistage speaker and you, you you run a program as well. So tell anyone out there listening if they want to learn more about you or reach out and get in touch with you. Tell us how we can how we can get in touch with you.
1: For sure. Well, you know, if you need any software, obviously you got a <laughs> person to call. Um, that's what we do for a living, day in and day out. We solve challenging technology problems with uh, software teams. Um, but I also speak. I'm on the road, like uh, like you said, Corey, for Vistage. So if you're a Vistage uh, member or interested in that, uh, Vistage.com. And then I am also speaking at a uh, on a tour um, with an organization called Industry uh, Industry Conferences. It's it's really for software product leaders, but um, I run workshops for them. So you're you're always welcome to attend one of those and come see me there.
0: Yeah, and I neglected to uh, mention that we met through Vistage Network and always happy to support uh, Vistage members. Uh, my, Chuck, uh, my chair, Chuck Hendy, we did a really cool interview a while ago uh, about how actually Vistage created Key Hire. I didn't have Key Hire when I joined my first Vistage group. Wow. The people in that group. I had an idea, and just all the different people in that TA group with me walked me. They're like, "How are you going to make money on this?" I'm like, "I have no idea." So they walked me. Uh, it was a B two B CFO, Michael Bowie, walked me through the pricing structure. We had uh, Rainy Busby, who is an EOS implementer, was like, "Well, how are you going to how are you going to provide service?" Like, I have no idea. So she walked me through the EOS model. And so it, it's uh, the, you and I sitting here doing this podcast is really the product of me being in a Vistage group seven years ago, six, eight years ago.
1: It's a great resource for growing a business, for sure.
0: I, I, I can't recommend it enough, especially for the people we're talking about today. And a lot of the things that you shone a light on today, they would get that kind of, um, I wanted to say expert help, but it's not expert help. It's more people that have been through it. And have gone through the experience and much like you did for us today, can kind of tell you the rights and wrongs and well, here are the mistakes I made. I don't know how, how to do it correctly, but I know how not to do it, right? Uh, so yeah, I agree. It's a super valuable resource. Thanks so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. All your best, all my best to you and the family, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch soon.
1: Same to you, Corey. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Sean. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe or follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes as they're released. Discover how Key Hire supports small business owners with talent planning and acquisition by exploring our YouTube channel or LinkedIn page. For comprehensive information, visit our website at www.keyhire.solution, where you can also sign up for a complimentary consultation to discuss any talent, experience, or capacity problems that keep you awake at night. Until next time, stop grinding and start growing.